Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. You know, today I would like to chat with you about CRGs, what we call our PSI model, and I want to be able to push back and create some controversy, if we can, over definitions like introversion and extroversion and people and tasks and relationships, and help you to at least share with you our model and what we believe is that the majority of the individuals out there have the incorrect definition of introversion and extroversion, and it really has done a disservice to the population out there. How it, I guess it becomes sort of an urban myth, if you may. You know, Consulting Resource Group, or CRG, was founded by Dr. Terry Anderson in 1979. I've been connected to the company uh, since 1989, early 1990. And one of my attractions to that, and of course then since then, I uh, bought the company uh, many, many years ago. But one of the main reasons that CRG actually exists is that Dr. Anderson was teaching courses at the local university and doing psychology and counseling courses. And uh, at that time, uh, one of the few sort of uh, personality assessments was the MBTI or Myers-Briggs. And uh, part of the challenge that Terry had is that uh, the majority of the students couldn't relate to the results. The results were inaccurate. And since then, the Journal of Psychology has uh, verified through a research study is that MBTI is inaccurate 47% of the time, plus the model has what they call reverse or opposite pairs. In many cases, those pairs, people believe that they're both of them, so they don't like to choose one over the other. So with that dilemma and not really feeling comfortable wanting to use that tool, we actually had the exclusive right to DISC. And then we found out some structural changes or structural design issues with that tool and said we can't use that tool either. So on a dare, Dr. Anderson and colleagues and others, then we've just uh, created the personal style indicator, really not for the intent of publishing it and making it available to everybody else, but to address the concerns that we had in other tools. And so here we are now, um, nearly 40 years later, and we have about an 80% switch rate to the personal style indicator once people understand the differences. And if people sort of defend the other tools or say that they're different in this way, uh, then we know that they are lacking some kind of knowledge or information. But what I want to share with you today is one of the underpinnings, the theory of our personal style indicator and why it can be extremely freeing for you and other people around you in uh, sort of the background of that. And then when you want to take a closer look, then you can get my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me or Deliberate Leadership, and we have an entire uh, chapter or section of the book on this for you. And then we cover it in depth at our certification at CRG as well. So when we think about, if I ask you the question, what is the stereotypical definition of an extrovert, what would most people say? Most people will say, well, it's people-oriented, they're outgoing, they're talkative, they um, love people. 
And so what we're going to say for the purposes of CRG and our model, that is not the definition of an extrovert, and nor do we believe it actually is truthful or inclusive to the population. If I was to ask you, and I'll come to the definition here in a moment, so I want to really kind of push some buttons today. And if you agree or disagree, that is your choice, but here's what our experience has been after doing thousands and thousands of seminars, working with millions of people as a company and a group, about people finally say, here's a tool that honors and really honors me for who I am. So if I was to ask you the question, what is the stereotypical definition of an introvert, what would most people say? So they say, well, quiet. They don't really like people. They are reserved. And that is partly true, but for the purposes of CRG, that is not the truth. That is not the definition of an introvert. And so sometimes I get a little um, worked up, if you may, because the stereotypical definition of an introvert-extrovert does a disservice to the population, nor is it all inclusive, and I'll explain that here in a minute. So, here's, so when we think about CRG's personal style model, the theory by which we've put all our style tools together, it's our own proprietary model. We looked at the different research points and said really created uh, one that was uh, more inclusive, that, wasn't, that was built on normal psychology. So many people say that extroversion is really about people who want, they get their energy from people. And in our definition, that is not true. That's a separate measure. The other thing is, is a lot of times people use the definition of introversion and extroversion from Carl Jung. Carl Jung, of course, is his research was used to create the Myers-Briggs or MBTI, but Carl Jung was working in abnormal psychology groups. He wasn't even working in normal populations. So why would you want to be uh, compared to uh, individuals who had abnormal psychology? The other thing, there was a, a little side note, was is that uh, Carl Jung called introverts socially inept individuals. Well, who wants to be called that? Nobody that's listening to this podcast, I hope. So we want to be able to set you free with new, fresh, and what we believe are more inclusive definitions of introversion and extroversion based on a different focus and a different um, sort of sense or theory. So when we think about introversion and extroversion, and here's CRG's uh, orientation toward it, and this is based on Ising's definition, and that is <clears throat> introversion and extroversion is based on a person's orientation towards the environment. It has nothing to do with if I like people or not. That is a separate measure in our model. So if you can visualize, and we have four dimensions in our uh, personal style model, you know, the action-oriented individual and the expressive individuals, those are both extroverted. And so here's what we mean by extroversion, is they see the environment as something to be influenced. They see the environment as something to be told what to do. They see the environment that they need to engage it to feel alive. They, uh, it, the environment is a place of stimulus for them. On the flip side, if we talk about introverts, introverts are more where they see the environment where I need to be careful in it. I need to be cautious in it. I need um, to, I will be more of a reactor. In other words, I will respond to the environment's stimulus rather than telling the environment what to do. 
Now there's, whole, there's a biophysical reason to that, and I'll give you that definition here and explanation of that here in a moment about where this all comes from. But first of all, introversion and extroversion has nothing to do with people. It has to do how you, your orientation toward the environment. The other thing that CRG's model does that nobody else does is that we give you a gradient value of your introversion and extroversion. And so that some people are highly extroverted, some people are highly introverted, and some people are actually balanced. So in our tool, if you recalculate the scores, you can actually have where I'm equally extroverted as I am introverted. So then my introversion and extroversion is more contextual, meaning in some cases I can tell the environment what to do. I really want to be in control. I need a kind of stimulus. And then the introvert, on the other hand, is going to defer to what the environment tells what them to do. So the introvert watches what the environment does, then sort of defers their decision based on what the environment kind of um, format occurs. So I'll give an example. Now I'm not suggesting that anybody listening to this podcast should break the law. This is just a metaphor or an illustration only. So let's say you come into your town and it's 2 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday night. And you come up to a red light, and there's no traffic. There's nobody around anywhere. And so what is an extrovert going to do way more quickly than an introvert in most situations? Not always. There's going to be exceptions to this. So if I'm highly extroverted, then I am uh, going to look at that red light. Remember, the red light is a uh, stimulus. So you're looking at that red light. It's an environmental factor. Red light to an extrovert is only a suggestion. So red means yellow, and yellow means green, and green means go. So an extrovert is going to, when everything's clear, it's going to drive through that red light. Somebody who's highly introverted is probably going to wait, and the red light is this environmental stimulus, and it says stop, and so they're going to comply. Now, I'm not sure if any of you listening to this who are more introverted than extroverted, have you ever, at 2 o'clock in the morning, no cars around anywhere, gotten out of your car, pushed the, walk, pushed the walk button so that you then would get the light to turn green and then be compliant to the environmental stimulus. Yeah, you can think of Some of you are thinking about that right now. Not right, not wrong. Now, I'm not here suggesting you should break the law. It's an illustration only is that extroverts want to tell the environment what to do. The environment doesn't tell them what to do. And the flip side is also true where you have individuals who are highly introverted but so they defer to the environment. Now notice, introversion and extroversion in the CRG definition and model has nothing to do with people. That is a separate measure. So the next continuum in our model, in our theory, is this task and relationship. Well, Kenneth Blanchard and his co-authors verified that task relationship in um, personality or personal style over 50 years ago, and it's well documented, there's some individuals who really enjoy and engage and need to be around people, and they get their energy from people, and they get their, their orientations in serving people. And then there are other individuals who are more task-oriented. It doesn't mean that the task person doesn't like people. It's just that they have a preference of task over people. And it doesn't mean that those people who love people aren't going to or unable to do tasks, but they prefer people over tasks. Now, again, our model allows a certain degree. So some people are highly people-oriented, some people are highly task-oriented, and some of you are more 
balanced. And so that, um, that continuum is independent and separate from the introversion and extroversion <coughs> continuum. That is a separate piece. And then the third continuum, and I'll bring this together so that you, know, you can listen to this podcast over and over, and you can also, if you're a visual learner, you can go to uh, our site, crgleader.com, and get the book, Large More Like Me, and read Chapter 6 where I go in-depth on this, and you can see all the visual components and clues about how to uh, use the PSI model to read other people. So the third continuum is what we call nonverbal doers, and verbal and non-doers. So pardon the English, we just created some English words. So in our model we have four dimensions. The behavioral action, the interpersonal harmony, the cognitive analysis, affective expressive individuals. So the behavioral action, the driven, um, goal-oriented individual is nonverbal. But so is the interpersonal harmony individual. So both of those, they'd rather do it than talk about doing it. It also, nonverbal, verbal means the amount of language that a person needs to communicate to feel understood or to transfer or explain their situation. So example, you know, so affective expressive and cognitive analysis people are verbal. So they'd rather talk about doing it than doing it. Have you ever sent an email to somebody and all it requires is for you to have a simple response or pardon me, for them to have a simple response? So you said, Ken, here's all this information, yes or no. And then I respond with a whole page of comments. I said, no, 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 I just wanted yes or no. And have you sent an email to somebody where it has seven different questions in it. And so well, what about this one, number two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then you get a response from somebody and it says, okay. Okay to what? I asked seven different questions. What do you mean, okay? And so this is sort of this uh, discrepancy of verbalness where sometimes people have a lot of language, a lot of people have a little bit of language. And just as we have in the other continuum, some people are very verbal. And then there's other people who are less verbal or not verbal at all, and just getting words out of them is very, very difficult to get that out of them. So uh, do you know some individuals that no matter what, they're just always chatting and they're always talking? Now what's interesting is, is that's not always this extroverted, <coughs> people-oriented individuals. In our model, the cognitive analysis individual is verbal, task-oriented, and introverted. So how is that possible? Well, these are individuals who are always on the quest for data, for information, for verification, for documents, to confirm uh, all the information that's going on, to make the right decision. And so they can be as verbal as an expressive, outgoing people person, which is affective expressive. So finally, there's a model that actually acknowledges the diversity that we have, and that people that are very verbal, meaning lots of language, maybe a long email to you, aren't necessarily extroverted. Now let's go into the other side where we have the nonverbal, which is this action-oriented individual, or the interpersonal harmony. Well, interpersonal harmony um, style is people-oriented, 
introverted as well as nonverbal. They, in our model, are more people-oriented than this outgoing uh, individual that wants to be the center of attention. So, well, how is that possible? Here's why. is that they're introverted, the people-oriented, the nonverbal. Their goal, if you have a lot of interpersonal harmony, <clears throat> your orientation is in the service of others. You're more people-oriented and care for people more so than this outgoing, expressive person that everybody says is extroverted, which is in fact is this affective expressive. And the reason being is that you will defer, an interpersonal harmony individual will defer their needs in exchange for somebody else's. So one of the things when we talked about interpersonal harmony in our style model is that they need to learn how to be assertive, to say no, because they can become the victim and they can put other people's needs above their own so their own self-care suffers. So that's how our model explains it. But here's another sort of observation. Think about somebody who is <clears throat> outgoing. When I mean outgoing, somebody who is determined, goal-oriented, but actually quite quiet. So the behavioral action, or in some other models, is somebody who is the director or the terminator, and I'm just being um, facetious with that, just being funny with that, where that individual has this directed, action-oriented style. There is nothing introverted about them, but they're quiet. So here's an example. You take a high behavioral action individual who is extroverted, task-oriented, and nonverbal. You invite your friend who has this orientation to a costume party or a Halloween party. doesn't matter. Here's what the story is. They'll come when they want. They'll dress how they want. They won't play any stupid or silly party games. They'll talk to who they want, and they'll leave when they want. And people around this say, oh, poor Ken. He was introverted. Oh, man, he, you know, he's, he doesn't have the confidence to reach out to people. No, no, that's not true. He just didn't like you. He didn't want to play any stupid games, and so he chose not to. So this idea that this, remember the old, saying in the old movies is the, the quiet, silent, strong type? Well, that's where the behavioral action individual is very extroverted. In other words, they'll tell the environment what to do. And so they are going to be in charge of their space. They're going to be nonverbal, meaning it's not going to have a lot of language, and it's going to be task-oriented, meaning that it's going to be focused on their goals, and uh, secondary to that is the consideration of people. Here's the reality. If you use the stereotypical definition of introversion and extroversion, the behavioral action individual does not exist. So the stereotypical definition of introversion and extroversion is flawed. It doesn't even include all the different sort of personalities or personal styles that are available out there. So one of the ways that we sort of extrapolate this that you can use. And once you complete a personal style indicator and then get into chapter 6 of Why Aren't You More Like Me in the book, is that you can calculate your introversion and extroversion score. You can calculate your people and your task score. You can then calculate your verbal and nonverbal score. You know, my own scores as an individual is that I'm highly extroverted, meaning ex remember extroverts in our model are they see the environment as something to be influenced. So 
So I actually don't even understand, nor do I comprehend the word can't. When somebody says I can't do it, I actually don't respect it. On the flip side, if somebody's highly introverted, then there is going to be more hesitation. There isn't, they're not going to be taking over the environment as much as maybe an extrovert. So when we think about credibility and when we think about interacting and serving and working with people who are different than us, then the extroverted individual needs to be able to kind of turn down their volume so that they could relate to or connect with individuals who are more introverted. On the flip side, if you're highly introverted and you're coming into a meeting or an interaction with somebody who is highly extroverted, then you're going to have to um, strengthen your confidence. You're going to have to stand in your place, in your space, to be able to own that space because the extrovert isn't going to respect you <clears throat> if you kind of are apologetic, if you're saying, well, I'm sorry if I'm bothering you. So that can be a tendency to somebody who is more introverted. So in my scores, my, I'm highly extroverted. However, and it might not seem this way because I do these podcasts and they're all verbal, my task in uh, people is actually very balanced. So I can interact with people, but I also enjoy doing tasks and on my own. That's why I appreciate my yard in the summer or whatever working because the physicality. But my verbal and nonverbal is also very balanced too. So I might be needing to use a lot of language here, but my staff will right away tell you that you know, sometimes Ken undercommunicates. He doesn't give us all the directions. He's not clear about all the things that he wants as part of that uh, request. So I just want to encourage you that there is so much freedom, there's so much uh, agreement when people learn about the personal style indicator model and this breakthrough sort of mindset. And I encourage you to kind of pay attention to it and not get trapped in the stereotypical definition of an introvert or an extrovert. And that is so judgmental and negative and not really reflective of how people are wired, built, or designed, or created, whatever way you want to call it. And that the PSI model finally uh, gives people sort of balance. So if I'm balanced with my introversion and extroversion, we will acknowledge that. If you're highly extroverted and highly introverted, then we'll acknowledge that, that those things are measured as part of that. You know, if you've enjoyed this show today, I uh, just encourage that you would pass it on, that you would share it, that you would get back to other individuals. You know, in a future show, I'll, I will share with you how you can use the personal style model to be able to read other people. Um, and people are constantly leaving us clues of who they are. So you need a framework, though, to be able to kind of determine who they are and how that makes sense to you. And uh, what they need and want from you so you can build credibility or build re relationship with them. You know, we use this in sales. We use this in leadership. We use this in personal relationships and even for yourself about <clears throat> making choices for yourself, even the nature of the work that you're going to do. And that is that a match? Otherwise, you won't be able to sustain engagement as part of that. You know, I just want to encourage that you would uh, you know, pay attention to that. Find out what your introversion and extroversion scores are, your people and tasks, and your verbal and nonverbal. And are you in a role and a responsibility that reflects a match to who you are? And then do the same thing for others and help people to be aware of that. And you know, once in a while we need to stretch. We need to adjust. We need to shift 
our approach to others, to build credibility with them, to build relationship with them, to communicate with them, which is different than what we are designed with naturally. But this really gives you a breakthrough model, a breakthrough understanding on how uh, this can work for you. So thank you very much again for listening. Share it, pass it on. And we just, I just, if you have some comments, if you have some questions uh, on this show or other shows, then please pass that on. I look forward to hearing your story of success and how we've impacted you in a positive way. You've been listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.